God bless you. I'm going to go ahead and have you seated. I, I will be reading my text in, in just a moment. But I have been in a, we've been in a series for the past four weeks. Now this is week number five of Marks of a Disciple. And uh, the previous four weeks we looked at the fact that disciples are members. They are members both of the universal body of Christ through salvation and they're also members of a local church assembly such as this one. And it's not that you just join any church or anything that calls itself a church, but you should be a part of a local assembly that preaches the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that preaches the doctrine and practice of the apostles as we see delineated in the book of Acts. And then we looked at the fact that Disciples are magnifiers, or they are people who worship God, both corporately, like what we're doing today, as well as in private. That it is a daily walk with Jesus Christ, a daily devotion to Him, a daily giving Him praise and glory. So, members and magnifiers, and then we looked at the fact that disciples are maturing, that they are, should be continuing to grow in their faith and in their relationship and their knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we do that, of course, through those daily devotions that I mentioned and through prayer and through getting into the Word of God. Then last week, looking at the fact that disciples are ministers, and that means that they are involved in serving other people. So today, I'm, there's a number of those themes that I'm going to bring and, and play into what I want to talk about today, and that is that disciples are managers and as you picked up we're ministers or we're we're members we're magnifiers we're maturing we're ministers now we're managers all of these starting with m's and and our kind of our key verse for the entire series that we're doing is luke 6 40 which says this a disciple is not above his teacher but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher and so our goal and, and our, our, what we're doing in the Christian life is to become like Jesus Christ. We do have this promise and this assurance that, that God will conform each of us to the image of His Son. Romans 8, 28, 29, it tells us that God is working on us and He is trying to make us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so we will end up like Jesus. The question is, how fast will we end up like Jesus? How, how far along on the journey are we? Are we fully trained? Are, are we living like Jesus would have us live in this life? And so today as we look at disciples or managers, I'm going to read a maybe unique passage of Scripture, and I will tie this to uh, our topic today. But it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 33. It is a somewhat familiar passage of Scripture and it should be there in the slides if I didn't mess it up. But Matthew 6, 25 says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And 
Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So I want to preach today for just a little bit. Disciples are managers. Now, you may be trying to figure out how we get from that text to us being managers. And, and really, I, I use the word manager in the sense of the, the Bible word, which is steward. You see the word steward throughout the New Testament, and it's a, a word that we don't really use much in our, our day and time, and, but we do use the word manager. And ultimately, that a steward or a manager is someone who is taking care of resources that belong to somebody else. In the, in, the old, in the New Testament sense of, of the word steward, that if I had a great estate and I was a wealthy individual, I couldn't be bothered with taking care of my own finances. So I would get somebody else that would be taking care of my finances for me. They would be a steward. You see this even in the Old Testament when Joseph, and they're talking about Joseph in the older children's class today, but, but Joseph was in essence the steward for Potiphar as he's taking care of what Potiphar owns. That Joseph was running all of Potiphar's household even though he was a slave. He was the steward and taking care and managing that for him. And so what I would tell you is that God has blessed us with an abundance of resources that are not to be considered my resources or your resources, but they are to be considered His resources. And if they're His resources, and if they belong to Him, then you and I must then manage them in a way that is pleasing to Him, that is a, in a way that is in alignment with what God wants us to do. But as I thought about that process of managing and stewarding and and I'm going to go through four different categories here in just a moment. And if you, if you have the church app or you're on the website, you, could probably, you may have already looked at the notes and you can see my outline. I, I will go through the four, but what I thought about, I can just give you a bunch of information about how to manage our, our money in and, and, and a godly way and how to manage our time in a godly way and, and how to manage our talents in a godly way and, and how to manage our relationships in a godly way i could give you a bunch of just information about that but all it would be for for most of us if we're not careful is just information and so as i thought about it and i prayed about it i, I wanted to get to the motive for us managing that well and, and i really think that it is about seeking first the kingdom that if we seek first the kingdom of god then we will manage our money and our finances in a way that's pleasing to Him. That if we're seeking first the kingdom of God, we will manage our time or utilize the time that God has given us on this earth in a way that is pleasing to Him. And the same with our talents and our relationships. 
Because what we see in our text is that God will provide for us. We don't have to go out and seek for stuff. God will provide what it is that you and I need. Maybe not what we want, but He will provide what we need. And if He provides what we need, then you and I have a responsibility to manage that or steward that in a way that is pleasing to God. So I hope I made that segue and that transition and made that connection for you. So, so let me then jump into the first piece of this, and I need to hurry because uh, we, I started a little late, but the first thing that you and I need to do is to seek first the kingdom with money. Our, our text focuses on money, as I mentioned, and, and, and it focuses on seeking the kingdom of God instead of money. However, we know that God is going to provide for us because we have this promise in the Scripture that He will provide for what we need to eat and what we drink and the clothing that we need. He will take care of all of that. And God is very interested in money. In fact, if you look at verses that have to deal with money in the Bible, they outnumber verses that deal with prayer. They outnumber verses that deal with salvation. Money is an important thing to God And the reason it's an important thing to God is because that's what we typically seek after. It is what we in our fallen nature are seeking after to acquire more and to get more. And Jesus said this, can a man serve two masters? He says he can't serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and wealth. And in fact, this passage follows Jesus talking about that. Jesus asked, or God asked this question in Malachi, will a man rob God? And they said, well, how have we robbed thee? And he says, in tithes and offerings. That what I've asked of you, you have kept back. You haven't given it to me like I've asked you to. You haven't given it back to, to the kingdom. And he says, but with that accusation of robbing God, he said, he gives this promise. He says, but try me and see. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot receive. That if you will do things God's way with money. That if you will seek first the kingdom of God with your finances. That God will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. We have that assurance in the scripture. Jesus would say it this way. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. That, that God is going to use people to give to us if we are people that are giving to the kingdom. If we are putting the kingdom first. If we are managing the finances that God has placed in our hands well. The parable of the talents or the story of the widow's two mites. I don't, need to, I don't have time to get into them. You, some of you would be familiar with those where... Uh, Just the widow, she comes and gives everything that she has, which is so much less than the people who had gone before her. As they're passing by in public at the temple and they're putting in their offerings, these people with a lot of money, they're just throwing in a little bit comparatively. But it's multifold what she is able to put in, but Jesus says she's given more than all of them because she gave everything that she had. That is really the the principle of the kingdom, of seeking the kingdom first with money. It's not just what we do with our tithes and our offering. It's not just the 10% that we may give in tithes. And I do believe in giving 10% tithes. 
I believe, though, that we should do more than that to the kingdom of God. But let's say we're super spiritual and we give 10% tithes and we give 10% offering and we've given 20%. It's not that we then go pat ourselves on the back because look how much more I'm giving than I have to. But the principle of managing our money and seeking first the kingdom is this, is that the 80% still belongs to God. So how I spend that and what I do with that matters to God. You don't get to give 20% to the kingdom or 5% or 2%, whatever you give, and go, well, the rest of it's mine and go down to the, the riverboat. Because that's not honoring God with His money. And if we understand that it all belongs to Him, then how we utilize that will change and it will be impacted. This was not in my notes, but let me just throw this in here. You know, David, King David, he was a man of war. And he wanted to build God a permanent house. He wanted to build him a temple. And God said to David, he says, you can't build the temple because you are a man of bloodshed. You're a man of war. You've shed all this blood. But ultimately, I'll let your son Solomon build the temple. And so David, who was not allowed to build the temple, he amassed a, a great amount of wealth and materials for the temple. He got some of the cedars of Lebanon, the, the, the best wood there was, and he, he got some gold and silver and things that he was capturing from the enemy, and he, he brings it and he begins to kind of stockpile all of this. In the end of 1 Chronicles, David makes this statement. He says, it's not a big deal that I have given all this money to the work of God. He says, because all of it belongs to him anyway. That everything I'm giving, it was his already. But instead of using it for my needs and for my wants, I'm giving it back to be used for the kingdom of God. And when we understand that that's the way all of us really are, that anything we have belongs to him, then we should seek first his kingdom with money that God has given us with and blessed us with. Secondly, we should seek first the kingdom with time. The Bible tells us that our days are ordered and they are numbered by God, that He knows our end from the beginning. He knows when we're going to pass away. COVID didn't, didn't take Him by surprise. It didn't catch Him off guard. He knows exactly what's going to happen. And when people pass away or whatever the number of days they have and we look at it sometimes when people pass away at a young age and go man that's just not right but God knows how much time you and I have the deal is that you and I don't know that but if God knows all of that that means that we have a finite number of days and a, a finite uh, amount of time in which to accomplish God's mission So if our time belongs to God, how should we spend it? How should we utilize the time that God has given us? As they say, everybody has 24 hours in a day. Nobody has more than 24. Everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. And this is not a time management seminar, but I, I want to use this analogy in a couple of different of these points and 
you, you may have heard the story of the professor who had a glass jar or a clear jar on his desk and he takes and he puts in a bunch of big rocks into the jar and then when he gets the last big rock to the top he asks his students he says is the jar full they're like yeah it's full and then he takes a bag of small pebbles and he pours them into the glass jar and because the big rocks there's a lot of space around them the pebbles sort and filter all through the big rocks and he gets a whole bag of small rocks into the jar and he's like is the jar full and the students are yeah it's full and then he takes a bag of sand and he begins to pour those fine little particles of sand into the jar and it filters down and he gets a bag of sand into the jar. And, and that analogy and that story has been used of, of time management. That If you take the sand and you take the little rocks and you put them in, you can hardly get any big rocks in. So you have to take the big rocks are the important things or the priorities in life and you have to put those into the jar first and then the other stuff can be added in around that. And so what I would tell you is that if we're seeking the kingdom of God first with our time, we need to make sure we're putting the big important rocks in there. The big rocks such as daily devotion or daily spending time with God. It doesn't have to be two hours or even one hour. And for some of us, maybe not even 30 minutes if we're, we're not into that habit and we're not, we're not developed that kind of walk with God. But we have to put a daily time of talking with God and spending time in His Word into our life, into our schedule. It has to be a big rock that we put in there. Another big rock that we need to put in there is doing what you're doing today, showing up for weekly worship and corporate worship with the body of Christ. It needs to be a big rock that we stick in to our time. That if we're seeking first the kingdom of God with our time, we will make time for God. And it will be the most important thing on our schedule is to spend time with Him and to spend time with His people. So for many people, they would stop there. I mean, I've got my daily devotion. I've got my weekly church attendance in there. We're good. But I would tell you that that's a very small percentage of our time. That the rest of our day still belongs to God. That just because you're here today, and I'm so glad you're here, that you're here at corporate worship, I'm so glad you chose to, to take time out of your day to show up here today to worship the Lord with us but it's just a small part of our day and it's even smaller part of our week but what God is calling us to do is to live on mission daily for him that if I come one week or one hour a week to church or an hour and 15 minutes by the time I'm done today that if we do that there's still 20 two hours and 45 minutes of our day that still belong to Him. And if we pray 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour a day, 
are still 23 plus hours every day that belong to Him. How do we spend it? I would tell you that I I can't tell you how to manage your time, but all I can tell you is that if you use the principle of seeking the kingdom first, then your calendar will take care of itself. It's been said, if you want to see what people value, look at their checkbook and look at their calendar. Where they spend their money and where they spend their time. And for us, people who are choosing to follow Jesus Christ, who want to live with Him forever in heaven, we must prioritize spending and seeking the kingdom of God first. Thirdly, I'm really going to have to hurry. We need to seek the kingdom, or seek first the kingdom with talents. Ultimately, all of us are gifted by God to do something. I talked about this a number of weeks ago. I heard a a statistic that say that there are about 600 different things that every individual is really good at. The reality is that most people never figure out all 600 things. They never get the opportunities to figure out what they're good at. And so they just do a few things. But the Bible, in four primary places, talks about the fact that God has given us gifts. He has gifted us with abilities, and that we are to use those abilities for the kingdom of God. We're to use those abilities to further His kingdom. We're to use those abilities to serve people, to serve the church, to serve our God. And and I'm not going to go through them. There are the supernatural gifts, of course, in 1 Corinthians 12. And then there are other gifts that the Bible lists in 1 Peter and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 that could seem more like natural talents and abilities. But ultimately, what God has called us to do is not to use our talents for ourselves but to use our talents and our abilities to further His kingdom. And everybody in this room has a whole list of abilities that God has given us with, He's wired us with, or He just supernaturally gives, like 1 Corinthians 12, that you and I should seek first the kingdom with our talents. And whether we use those or not is about how well we steward what God has given us. That if we choose not to use those, we've chosen to take what God has given us and just pull back and say, well, I don't really care that you gave it to me. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And while none of us would actually say that, it is the outgrowth of how we live at times. I don't want to do that. I don't like doing that, even if I'm really good. And so my, my, my goal isn't to make you feel guilty, but my goal is to tell, just to help you to look inside and go, Lord, what is it that you have gifted me with that I need to be using for your glory? Once again, we're stewards, we're managers. It's not our, it's not our gifts to do what we want. It's his gift that is being worked out through us. And lastly, we need to seek first the kingdom with our relationships. As the musicians come, let me wrap this up. 
there are some big rocks of relationship. They correspond to some extent with spending our time and things I mentioned about our time. The first big rock of relationship, of course, is God and managing our relationship with Him well. And we do that by spending time, by following Him, by prayer, by reading the Word, by church attendance, by a number of different things, by understanding what He has done and what He has gifted us with. But it has to be the most important relationship in your life. Jesus had a lot of hard sayings that he would do. And when he would make statements that were really difficult, the crowds that were around, that were there for the loaves and the fish, and, or the crowds that were there for the money, or the miracles, rather not the money, but they were there, they were there to see the show. say really difficult things and those people that weren't there to really follow him they would walk away one time he asked his disciples will you too go away and Peter others said to him Lord to whom shall we go because you alone have the words of eternal life you alone are the one that's going to get us to heaven there's nowhere else to go. And for you and I, that needs to be the way we view our relationship with Jesus is it doesn't matter how hard the road is or how difficult the saying or how much He wants us to do that's uncomfortable. Lord, to whom shall we go? Because you alone have the words of eternal life. One of those hard sayings of Jesus was this he said that by comparison you have to hate your family because you love me so much it really wasn't a call to hate your family and hate your mother and your brother and your sisters and your father it wasn't really that but he said it needs to be that you love me so much that it seems like your love for them is on the other, so far on the other end of the spectrum, it's just like hate. That if you were to juxtapose love and hate and put those on opposite ends, and he says, and you've got to be so far on this love side for me that they're so far away, it's like they're on the other end of the spectrum. what our relationship with Jesus needs to be like is that we love him so much that he, he is at the forefront of everything we do. That he is the biggest rock in our life. That everything else is like a little pebble in comparison to how we view him and how we love him. But while Jesus said by comparison, you need to hate your family. That's how far off it needs to be. The Word of God calls us to, of course, love our family, to take care of our family, 
to raise our children, to train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. That our family should be a second to our love for God, and our relationship with God should be first, but our family should be next. Because that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to be in relationship with one another as a local church or as part of the body of Christ. It needs to be a big part of our relationship matrix. But lastly, I would say this. The lost should be an important part of our relationships. Because what I would tell you I said this Thursday to one of the groups that I'm a part of. And if we want to be like Jesus, not only do we have to love the lost, but if we love them, we will spend time with them so that they too can be saved. And that Jesus was accused of all kinds of things one of being a friend of publicans and sinners because he spent time with them he ate with them not because he wanted to be like them but because he wanted them to be like him and then if we're not careful we can hang out with all saved people and never reach anybody new with the gospel of Jesus Christ thus not fulfilling the mission that he has given us I'm not saying go hang out with sinners and sin. I'm not, going to, I'm not saying go and do evil deeds with people. But I am saying that the lost need to be part of our lives so that we can reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God will conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. We have that promise we also have the command which is to make disciples and you can't make disciples of people that you don't know and you've never met because disciple making is contingent on relationship being in relationship and spending time with people let's stand together we need to seek first the kingdom with our money with our time, with our talents, with our relationships. And for each of us, that may look radically different. But your calendar is going to look different than my calendar. Not working a secular job, much more of my calendar needs to be spending time with the lost and making disciples and doing the work of the kingdom. So your calendar doesn't have to look like mine, but your calendar should be prioritized with the kingdom first. I, I've long said this, since I, at least since I came to Olathe, that things like church attendance, I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody here in city of Olathe, maybe two people that didn't like church, that didn't think church was a good thing, 
problem is they just never go. Where they would say it's basically church is what you do when you have nothing else to do and you're caught up on all of your sleep. Oh, man, yeah, I like church. When's the last time you've been? Uh, Months, years. Just too busy. But when you seek first the kingdom, those important things get put into your calendar, into your time. When you seek the kingdom with your finances, then all 100% are utilized for kingdom or in a way that's pleasing and honor to God. And that means taking care of your family and providing needs and all that. I'm not saying give 100%. Don't misunderstand. You have obligations that you have to do that God wants you to do. But if we really seek first the kingdom, then the management will all take care of itself. Then it won't be a list of do this and do this and do this and don't do this. If we just seek first his kingdom, it'll all work out. We'll manage his money in a way that's pleasing to him and we'll manage the time he's given us in a way that's pleasing to him and we'll manage the talents and gifts that he's given us in a way that's pleasing to him and we'll do the same with our relationships so we've already had a a spiritual moment today after Reagan shared her testimony so just for the next moment or two what I'd like you to do is just would you analyze in prayer? Would you would you ask God this, Lord, will you help me to seek first your kingdom? Lord, would you help me to, to see everything that I have, everything you've blessed me with, as belonging to you and not to me? But it all belongs to you. Would you pray those two things right now as they begin to sing? You can lift your hand, you can lift your voice, whatever, however you want to do it, but would you just ask Him to help you to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness? Then everything else will be added to you.